Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The House List. My name is Peter Agassi, and I'm the host and the producer of this show. It's my weekly podcast, The House List, just like the guest list. If this is your first time uh, listening because of my illustrious guest, then thank you so much. If you like this episode, please subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe on SoundCloud or, or the Stitcher app, Google Play, however you may listen to podcasts or check out podcasts. You can go that way. Uh, I try to do these once a week, um, and I hope you guys dig them. So this particular episode, I'm I'm very excited about because it's with none other than the drummer of the original hip hop band Stetsasonic, my man Bobby Simmons, uh, and we had an amazing conversation. It was so cool. He was uh, very accommodating, came through the crib. He's been very busy because the guy uh, now, of course, many people associate him and know him from his work with the iconic, groundbreaking, trendsetting hip hop band, Stetsasonic. You know, I think some people, their go to is the roots if you're a couple, if you're the next generation over, but there would be no roots if there was no Stetsasonic. And there probably wouldn't be uh, as much of a presence of live bands in hip hop if there if there wasn't sets aside to have blazed that trail, the proverbial trail, and and set that trend uh, early on and make it relatable to to a hip hop audience. I mean, and this is a group that uh, only released three albums, but those three I think still resonate to this day, especially in New York City, but but all over the world, really. But Bobby also has been doing a bunch of stuff lately. He's got a show, uh, um, and this is something he's been doing for a while too. But but um, I thought this was fascinating. It was kind of the uh, the catalyst for me uh, reaching out and trying to have him on here. But he also hosts and interviews artists and personalities on his own show, which is on FRP Live. So check that out. You gotta you gotta check that out. That's FRP live.tv but I've been seeing that that Bobby's been doing this um, it's called the Bobby Simmons show it's a talk show he's interviewing singers actors actresses but uh, uh, so I wanted to get into that because he has a long history of doing that on New York television but so many stories in in so much context when we talk about Stetsasonic and the history of Stetsasonic which, of course, as a you know a hip hop fan and participant and just someone that uh, just loves and lives that genre of music, uh, I, I'm a gigantic Stetsasonic fan. There, it's uh, necessary, required listening, and uh, if if you might not be hip to them at all, which is a treat if you haven't, if you've never listened to them before. They've, they have, like I said before, they released just three albums. All of them, in my opinion, are essential, uh, especially the first two. On Fire came out in 86. In Full Gear came out in 1988. And their final, uh, as of now at least, uh, um, full-length album, Blood, Sweat, and No Tears, came out in 91. So crucial singles in all of these, of course, uh, talking all that jazz uh, Costetza, On Fire, uh, No BS Allowed, Sally, uh, and, and you know we open the show with uh, uh, this interlude, Go Brooklyn, and that itself 
those vocals and we and we we actually bobby explains to me how that was recorded later in the conversation but that's been sampled time and time again in fact you can go to the barclays center down the street from where i live see the uh uh, uh i was about to say the new jersey nets the brooklyn nets and hear that in the in the place in the arena you step inside the arena and that's what you hear and that's uh the fellas from sets of sonic on the mic saying that so yeah um i'm super excited to get into this conversation we talk about a lot and we try to get it all in there and i hope you guys really dig it this is definitely for true hip-hop fans and bobby has such a charismatic personality too uh and is just such a funny and engaging uh guy that um, you could talk about anything with him and, and it's and it's uh enthralling so uh we get into it we talk about his career too in cable access in, in new york city he had a, a long-running show called flavor videos uh much like in the lineage of a ralph mcdaniels who many new yorkers would know too um but more so as like a comedy sketch show one man show stand up um but with music videos so since i didn't i didn't get that you know i grew up in virginia uh so i didn't get to see that until much later in life or see clips of it because he he did he did it for years and the shows were long there were six hour long shows six hour plus and so he breaks that all down and i think that's a great kind of connector to what he's doing with his current show on frplive.tv so definitely seek that out check it out it's dope he's he interviews a lot of cool um artists uh funk hip-hop r&b soul singers actors comedians so seek that out too i just wanted to plug that for bobby i i I wanted to to help get the word out on that one so definitely check that out and uh without further ado here check out my conversation with the one and only bobby simmons the drummer live drummer of Stetsasonic, the original hip hop band. Uh, I can't even stress that anymore. So let's get into this. Enjoy only here on the house list. Obviously, the go to as like a hip hop fan, and we've worked together is through Stetsasonic. Right. Um, but as the year, kind of as the years have gone by, because I'm not a native New Yorker. I've been here for quite a while, but I grew up in Virginia. So what? I, I thought you yeah. was a native New Yorker. Really? Well, yeah, I grew up. Fool in, me. <laughs> uh, is that so? Over the years, I've been kind of getting just online, really, and and through social media and stuff. I've been seeing some of the the flavor video stuff mm-hmm. and and kind of picking up on that you have this this other career, really, as like right. a as like a video personality and a show host. Mm-hmm. So. Um, trying to figure out a way to kind of tie these things together too because i want to because they're they're two kind of separate careers in a way obviously but you know as like uh you know i guess a child of the 80s like my first real and growing up in sort of a small town in virginia too my first real impression of sonic was through music videos and uh, both with of course with uh, talking all that jazz but with there was two really impressionable ones for me uh through um uh, the the final album, uh, those two videos being oh, uh, the final album, <laughs> where we at the day, boy. <laughs> the final. Uh, well, no, the la- I mean, actually, the m- more appropriately, like the 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 last record that you guys put right. out. Mm-hmm. So, um, that being uh, no BS allowed, and speaking of a speaking girl, of named, girl Su- named Susie. Yeah. Uh, what else we did? We did uh, speaking of a girl named Susie. No BS allowed. We actually did a. Uh, uh, 
a song that I produced uh, for that last album that Red, Red Alert, DJ Red Alert used to really play a lot. And uh, what was it, was, that? it was called Peace. It was actually a B-side. See, my whole thing was after all of us and me having a relationship right. with uh, Prince and the New Power Generation in the very that's right. early 90s. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about uh, that. Yeah, because uh, Tony Mosley, uh, who's, who's, who was actually uh, the rapper in New Power Generation, who did the right. Get Off records with Prince and stuff. Right, right. We all became friends. And um, I was on this kick of like, yo, because Stetson Sonic, we recorded so many tracks that we couldn't put them on the album. So I said, yo, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what Prince used to do. He used to do B-sides. Of course, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That was not on the album. And, and, right. and that was one of the songs. It was actually on the So Let the Fun Begin single, which was the third single right. off that Blood, Sweat, No Tears album. And it's a song called Peace on it that we should have really targeted that as a single instead of So Let the Fun Begin. But because of the relationship we have with Tommy Boy Records and the success of De La Soul, sure. they want a commercial status right, type right. of record. But um, for anybody who's a hip hop fan, you can definitely go back and find it and get that because it's course, it's, yeah. it's a classic that uh, DJ Red Alert used to kill. He never played the main single; he played like as right. we call it the B side. Right. You and you had um, a kind of going a, a little further back though, but you had like a relationship with Red Alert because you were a DJ too. Right. Uh, I, I, Latin I, Quarter DJ. Right, right. Right. I used to DJ at the Latin Quarters, the, the legendary Latin Quarters Club. Um, I actually got hired by a young man by the name of Paradise Gray. Yes, of um, course. Who used to, used to, or still, actually still a part of the whole X-Clan movement. Right. Um, and um, he actually have a book out, to be exact, I saw. for the book, and those photos I provided, most of those photos. Really? Yeah, because I, I got a library of like, I'm, well, I don't want to say I'm the library king, but anything from the 80s that I was able to keep my closet is just it's just ridiculous. Were you taking snapshots with your own camera? Or you no, these, collecting them from I was collecting them from other people who was Dope. taking photos of me and someone else. Right. And then I would say, well, hey, you know, if you don't need them, just pass them to me you right, know, during right. then, not later, like dur- during that moment. Yeah, in the moment. And I would keep it, you know, just right. kind of put it a, a part of an archive and stuff like right. that. Yeah, I can tell even with the show, too, with the video show, it's mm-hmm. like, you're obviously like... Uh, cultural preservationist too because mm. you're still because you're interviewing people and you're coming from an angle where you know you're you're bigging them up you're propping them up but also like you're a fan and knowledgeable about their careers and stuff i'm talking right. about even with the most current stuff too right, right. so i can see how even back then and you've also been like in the in, like you know we were talking about our sets of sonic show that was in 2008 that was really yeah, through yeah, me yeah. and you i think we really were the right. ones that brought it all together right, and exactly. keeping that sort of loyalty to Stetsasonic alive too. Right, know? right, so, right. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, I mean, uh, you, you know, uh, you know, going back to Stetsasonic, one thing about us is that um, we, we, we t- even today in this day and age, we still do performances. Every now, we, we, well, we don't pick our performances. We kind of let the promoters pick it because we're right. a band. You know, we're actually a live band. And um, so we kind of let them pick when they want us and when they want to see this this band thing, because we don't really do track dates, you know. Of course. The last time we actually did a track date was in 1987. Wow. So we haven't done track dates since then. Right. We literally was like, if this is what we're going to have people identify us as, then we're going to have to, you know, convince promoters. Well, later on, we had to convince promoters. Russell Simmons, who was our manager back then, didn't right. have to convince promoters. It was like, this, this, this is what they what are. This is the original hip-hop band. Exactly. Right. So, um, but today we have to convince promoters that, uh, you know, you wouldn't ask Quest to bring the Roots in and it's just thought. Right. You know what no. I'm saying? You would be like, well, the Roots, and the Roots is not really, and I can say this, you know, without it being any problem, the Roots is not a hip-hop band. They're mm-hmm. not. And even Quest will, will, will 
uh, admit to that. Even in his interviews, when he does interviews, he'll tell interviewers, like, we've read it in magazines, or even when I speak to him, like, he tells them, no, Stessa Sonic is literally the hip-hop band. And we'll appreciate it because, you know, he kind of understand the history of, of, of the way hip-hop and rap music was going before, you know, the Roots. Oh, so yeah. we appreciate it. But even when you look at the Roots, you realize they're not a hip-hop band. They're actually, even when they first came out, they actually were a band that just had thought as a rapper. Yeah, that's you know a better way to frame it. Right, sure. exactly. But, yeah. I mean, but we d- d- damn sure appreciate the work that they've done. And even uh, the last time we got together with the Roots, we did this, this, uh, this, this hardcover book it's called Hip Hop Immortal, and okay, it's a right. photo of us in the roots in a lineup with our hands up. Like oh this, shit! You know, I gotta see the, that. The guy who did the book, he wanted to capture like, because uh, he, he he haven't heard of any other act that was called the hip hop band. The only band you can right. could connect to Stetsonic was the Roots, and he said yeah, this would be real, he said this would be real cool if I can get you guys. And this is with the original Roots. Not the roots you see on David Letterman. This yeah. is with the the original guys. Right, right. And you see a picture of us. It's like a real big photo because there's so many of us. They had to make the when you open the book. Right. The book is like and it's all of us with our hands in the air That's and a lot of stuff. So it's pretty cool. So with your involvement with Stet, really, it did it. It started first as a live in the live show in a club. Right. It wasn't like created in a recording studio. Right? No, like, no, no. That actually was Daddy-O's idea. The the, the brainchild of Stet Sonic is really Daddy-O and Delight. Uh-huh. Um, Delight more or less but Daddy-O kind of started looking at things um, we, we, you know he, he wanted this band this this group that he was going to put together to be a little bit different than what he was seeing Dougie Freshman doing seeing what the Fat Boys was doing seeing what all these other cats of our peers were doing right. and if we was going to compete with them we had to figure out well what's going to make people go yo you know because sure. back in the days of rap music when you saw each rap group, you you had a oh moment with each one of them. That's why rap music was so beautiful then. Not to disrespect the artists today, but the artists sure. today don't give audience a moment to go oh. They just give them a moment to just like well, let me hear the song and let me go crazy over the song. Exactly. Yeah. You have to remember when we was doing our stuff, we literally had to perform songs like "Just Say Step" and even go steps to an audience that never even heard it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like before it got on record and before Tommy Boy released it, we had to right. go to certain clubs and. And do like straight from uh, you know we have to do right. the performance right and, and that it, first impression really has to it starts with people seeing for the first time on exactly. stage exactly right. so you know it, it, it was a bit different different for us so Daddy O actually had this idea of, he kind of went and picked how he wanted his band to look and mm-hmm. everybody was picked including Prince Paul they they right. got Prince Paul seeing them DJing a, um, at an event in Long Island and they mm-hmm. they liked what he was doing like oh you know and then kind of handpicked him and said we want right. you to be a part right. of our group. And the same thing with DBC when they got together with DBC Upstate and saw him playing keyboards and saw some guy rapping while he was playing keyboards. Oh wow! Like, oh, this that. is cool. Like, yo, let's you know handpick DB. Right, right. And then they, I I knew the guys because we lived in the same neighborhood in Brownsville in Brooklyn. Right. And um, I was I was actually on tour when Stet started when they were starting the Just Say Stet record. Really? So who were you on tour with? I was on tour with Natalie Cole. I was Natalie oh, Cole's cool. drummer, and uh, we was doing the jazz festivals back then. So um, when I came home, you know, I asked some other dates I was going to do. Those dates were kind of spot dates. Sure. So when I came home, they was like, yo, Bobby, you know, we want to do this live thing. You know, we want you to play drums because this is what we're doing now. We're going to record our stuff with drums. Because that's they said is a Lindrum machine. It's yeah, not absolutely. A drum. Yeah. So I said, hey, you know, you know, clue me in. I had no clue that this was going to mean anything. And we actually did our first show 
at the Latin Quarters with wow. a live band. What was that experience like? It was kind of crazy because people like Chuck D and all of them. Who else was that there? And I think Melly Malnamore was there flashing them. And it was like, to them, they was looking at, what are these guys are doing? What right. is this about? Well, yeah, they have a drum set. Yeah, yeah. What, what are y'all, some new, what is it, some, some young, they, you know, they was comparing us to the rap, or the musical artists that was out there, like Nucleus, they had records right, like Jam right. Morton, and Nucleus and them, they weren't a hip-hop band. They were, sure. they weren't a bunch of musicians who rapped on their records. Yeah, they interesting. You know, they weren't a band. And, I, and if I can say this real quick, to hopefully to put this out to your, your podcast audience who listen, let me just make it clear to people what the hip hop band is. The yeah. hip hop band literally is where, if you listen to all our albums, well, maybe not the later albums, but all our albums, you realize that we used what we had to make the music. Right. The, the On Fire album is literally no samples. The really? On, the On Fire album is literally live drums, right. poor scratching, and guys rhyming, and wise doing the beatbox. There's no loops, no samples. I mean, we probably had Paul scratch a record. Right, but there's some drum programming involved. Drum, well. Well, so drum programming was only on um, My Rhyme and um, Just Say Stat. Mm, Everything wow. else was played live and was played through, uh, back then we used to use these pads. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? To get the, the, the sample, maybe a drum sound from a from a record that we thought was hot. Right. Was, oh, we need that sound. And it would be played like, uh, they, they were called octopads back then. Yeah, you know what okay. I'm saying? And we, we would play it on it. But that we literally utilized everything that we were about in our position. I was a drummer, DB was a keyboard player, and Paul was the the, 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 the controller with scratches. We, nobody played guitar in our band. Sure. So how do we get a guitar sound? Paul, find a guitar on a record. Right, right. And Paul was scratch. He was scratch that. Uh, 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 and he was, that would be him. He's right, the right. guitar. And I will play on top of that, and DB will find a bass line. So, yeah, how do you it. establish, how, as an ensemble, are you doing, like, do you do the arrangement as a group? Like, or does it start with just a drum line? Or is it that Daddy O is writing these songs and comes in with an idea? I mean, obviously, this is a while ago, but do you remember basically no, remember. what the process No, I remember, I, Yeah, I remember very clearly. I mean, a lot of that stuff was done as a group thing because of the fact, um, um, well, the one thing that we always love to do is we love to jam. We'll right. get inside a rehearsal room and we'll just be making noise. Right. And when we make a noise, we'll find something like, oh, that's crazy if somebody stopped. Let's say like I'm playing drums, but DB's playing bass and Paul's just scratching crazy. So right now we're just jamming and making noise. Sure. But if DB stopped, and I'm still playing. Paul's doing some, and they go, "Oh, that's dope!" So we found yeah, our edge, like you know how we can break down our 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 music and build it up, and we would find our way. So most of the stuff was done through uh, jam sessions. Anything else that we did, particularly on the Info Gear album, was pretty much ideas from everybody. Delight right. ideas, Paul's ideas. Um, if people remember on the Info Gear album, um, pre De La Soul, right. one of Paul's. Uh, what we call it Paul's um, his out of mind kind of track because right. you know if you remember the Day I Soul album everything was like oh this is crazy from the introduction to everything exactly yeah um, and Step for the uh, Step for the uh, Step for the Insane yes yeah is a total nothing but a Prince that was not produced by Daddy O right, right. was not no, none of us that's definitely a Paul track but in the moment where you guys like yeah this totally makes sense for this record or Paul you should do a do your own thing yeah. for this project yeah because Paul was he was a nutcase we was like yo because <laughs> most of the time like, I, and, and we can say this now there was times where Daddy was like well, you, get out of here you crazy no, right. that is more but then as Paul unfolded it 
it was like, yo, this is crazy. And right. even got to the part, part where the idea was like, we don't even need to rhyme on this record. This is just the interlude. Yeah. Because so. we, we liked what other groups prior to us, not in hip-hop, in, right. in, in R&B and funk, was doing. Right. If you remember the Earth, Wind & Fire Gratitude album, they had an interlude. Their interludes were insane. They're beautiful compositions. They might be like 30 seconds long or My a minute point long. Exactly. Right, right. And that's Interesting. Exactly, and okay. that's what Step for the Stephanie Insane was. Dope. And then we did it again where I produced a track called The Hip-Hop Band. Yes. On a blood, sweat, no tears. Yeah. Where it's just us playing and Paul scratching and you know DB doing the bass line. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, we 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 was thinking of our our peers who we grew up admiring. And we said, well, we're gonna do this thing called hip hop. We have to incorporate right. what we learned from them, but definitely make it different than what yeah. they were doing. It's like your interpretation. Exactly. Like, obviously, and and some time has elapsed. It's especially with uh blood, sweat, and no tears. I mean, this is like it's the beginning of the 90s, mm-hmm. too. You guys mm-hmm. pro- probably evolved as performers, too, after the, being the third album. Because you you are credited as, like, you know, you produced a, a good chunk of that record, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well the, the, since, since we talking and this is your podcast yeah, show, on I might as well tell you the truth. 1990 uh, was the worst year for Stessa Sonic. Really? It was the worst because... Um, well, what the hell? Tell the story the way it is, right? Please, yeah, yeah. At that time, Tom Silverman was a great negotiator at pinning everybody against each other. Mm. Um, let's be honest. Right. Uh, the whole time we was on tour with Public Enemy and Run DMC in 1988, the entire summer and the entire winter, because we wow. toured that entire summer and winter. Incredible. Like nonstop. We went to Europe and came back and we... Went back out on the road. So multiple legs throughout that Exactly, whole yeah. And all we heard on that tour bus was that De La Soul album. De La Soul album wasn't out yet. This is 1988. Right. Paul was working on it. And um, we actually, we were all working on projects. Paul was doing De La Soul's album. Daddio was doing uh, Audio 2. And I, I was working with this kid who was just coming out. His name was Uptown, who just Uptown. got signed to Tommy Boy Records. Um, yeah. He was actually a cousin of Mace. And he mm-hmm. did a record called Dope on Plastic. Yes, of course. Right, I produced that. You know, did so, you? Yeah. So oh, I was, didn't know that. Yeah, that was like Classic hip-hop record. track. My first, yeah. actually that was my first record I did by myself out of a step project. Oh, that's incredible. Um, so, so 1990 was the worst year for us because everybody's ego began to right. go different places because we watched the success of De La Soul's album. Mm-hmm. And it kind of put us in and, 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 it, it happened because Tom put the plan in. Right. Like, oh, well, y'all should let Paul produce the next set album because look at what happened with the Daylight Soul. And it's like, that's your mind. Come on, we're a group. We kind of... Right. So that Blessed With No Tears album, we barely was in the studio with each other. Oh, interesting. Literally. Right. So I literally, kind of like how me and you worked together when we was putting, when you was putting your event together right. uh, to, to do the show. It's a set show. Right. I had to pull... Everybody together because everybody was working on different projects. Right, right. Paul was doing third base and Big Daddy King. Daddy O was someplace doing something else. Right. He was even doing TV commercial. He was doing the Polio String Cheese commercial. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so we was all in, 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 in our different place. Me and Paul at the time, we was working together. We was doing Living Colors record. The oh, Funny cool. Vibe record. Yes, Funny Vibe. Great you know record too. Yeah. Right. So it's like we were all in different places. So everybody was getting... Beside themselves with each other, except for me and Paul. Me and Paul kind of kept a good relationship because Paul knew I had this musicianship because right. I was a musician. I mean, you came into the group already an established right. artist to a, a exactly. season playing, you know, right. musician. Right? right. So at that time, we were just all over the place. Right. So I had to 
to, to, to keep Tommy Boy and Tom and them quiet, I had to push this album to, to just say, okay, here's a project. Here's a project. And majority of the album was really taken over and handled, handled by me. Because Tom, Tom and them was rejecting everything that Daddy-O and everybody was kind of, they was like, oh, they was looking for Paul to be the savior see, yeah. so for the next so album. So songs and ideas were being like submitted to the label. Right. And they, and they was of... like, oh, well, we, and they was really looking at us at being um, what Daddy-O used to say. And he was rightfully right. And Paul even agreed. They was looking at us to be this clown act. And we weren't, we're not a clown act. What no, you did with them, right? What you did with their last soul was a whole other thing. The three feet high and high rising, and calling them the Daisy Age kind of group, which they last saw them hated back then, right? To be called Daisy Age, yeah. And by the second album, they totally rejected that exactly. whole persona too. But Tom and them had this this thing, and the album took off by itself. So it's like, right. well, let's let's work with it. And then they had other gadgets, Tom and them, that they was like, well, if you guys said it's not going to do it, we got other guys that we're going to do it with. So Digital Underground is our Humpty Hump, and they had these things that they were running with, and we right. weren't going let them pull us. Right, right. I will say by default, we almost fell into that slot because we decided to come up with a record called Speaking of a Girl Named Susie. Yes. Now, in the video, we wasn't hoping to be as comical, but we all agreed that we did. We wanted people to know that we had a comical side. Yeah, um, and it is a, yeah, it's a very comical video. Right. Video. You yeah. know, and Tom and them was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this, this will be the one. Oh, and they like that. Right? Yeah, you know, it's like, but we weren't against it. We just didn't think, like, that's where we wanted to be. But the album was completed. We wanted to roll with it. It was actually the first single, and it got great response that it, yeah, it, it rushed. I remember it well. Right, it, it, that, that Tom and them wanted to rush the album. And when that single came out, we wasn't finished with the album. Oh shit! We we was still doing shows. We we was at the Jack the Rapper conventions. We was just going all right. over the places. That um, it took us away from finishing the album. Right. And if you're on tour for that extensive amount of time too, leading up to it, then obviously you don't have the same headspace or time than the previous records too, where you can't really physically all get into the same place. Right. Exactly. Time, right? Exactly. And even during that time, Daddyo pretty much was really the guy who kind of kept. Kept thing in, things in place. Well, me, me and him and Delight together. We kind of kept it, but mainly to give credit where credit is due, kind of kept things in place. By the time we got to the third album, everybody again, everybody's success kind of put them in different places. Right. Oh, well, you know, Paul, he just got a platinum record. Right. And then on top of that, he backed it up with Gas Face. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's huge as well. It's right. like, you know, so Tom and everybody looking at, he's the guy. Let him do the album. And it's right. like... We was like in this place, and and again, I will speak for Paul. Him, he himself was like, "No, come on, what we've done with Stead, there's nothing wrong with what we've done. This is a different thing. This is my baby." Stead. Sure, right. Stead said, "Is all of us, so we can all participate." Yeah, absolutely. It's funny too, going back to speaking of a girl named Susie. If you watched the video and you didn't really listen to the album, like if you listen to the album. And without that image of the video, the song itself is about something totally different. You know, the interpretation of the right. video. Because it's, it's like Susie is um, like a dog or a cat, like in the right, song, right? Right, 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 so right. It's a trip because that, that part of the song isn't included, obviously, in the music video. So, right, 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 right. So, because uh, I just watched it too, and that totally brought me back, you know, to to when I first used to see it, you know, on Ed and Dre and Fat Five Freddy. Because right, right. it got a lot of burn. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because it was like, it was a humorous video, too, so I could see how we get even more. But another great, going back to the video, too, I always loved um, uh, No BS Allowed because it was like, yeah. oh, it was that rare 
live live yeah. concert video, which beside like maybe Run DMC, I don't think there was really a lot of those type of right. Videos yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we showed someone playing on stage, right. And when we did that video, um, we literally were on tour. Where was? Do you remember? We the, were in we were in Norfolk, Virginia, when we did that video, and we we were on tour. We no, we. I was about to say we were the headliners. No, we weren't. We wasn't the headliners. Stacey Lattisaw was the headliner. Whoa, really? She was the headliner, and I never, I never forget that. I, 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 you know, hopefully, if I run into her today, I will apologize. I mean, we were young kids. What happened? Well, I mean, you know, we, we kind of, we kind of dissed. I dissed her too because she had a band, and her band, her drummer needed a drum kit. And we, I was like, no, I'm let me use my drum set for. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? You're a drummer. You're supposed to come with your kit, and you know, you don't have no kit. Right. Too bad. She was headlining too. I right. She was headlining that. the gig. So we wound up so coming. Even more reason not to let. Them right. Play. So we was co- and plus we were shooting our video. We shot that sure. video all morning, from oh, wow. the morning to the content. Because some of the shots that you see in it, there's no audience in it because mm. we shot it in the morning. Sure. And then the rest they shot during the content. Yeah, because it does. Uh, pan over or there's shots right. of the crowd. Right. But I could see how, yeah, with the video, yeah. you can't just do it all in one take during right. a live show. Too, yeah. So. I, I remember we shot that video. We started from the morning until the night of the concert. Wow. Because they needed to get, you know, those kind of shots, live shots, you know, and then, then the, uh, obviously they, they recorded the entire concert when we sure. did that show. And then when That's we did this allowed. So, what, I mean, what you see, the response of the audience is what it is. For it's real. genuine, yeah. Right, but I remember we shot that video from 8 in the morning until to the concert. Because wow. they wanted to get all of that. And then she, uh, Stacey Lattice, so they, her peoples and them wanted to use our, you know. But I mean, at the end, we let her use it. Uh, looking back on it, I was like, y'all, we, we was really being snobs. And again, <laughs> right. again, we were all at the height of our career. I mean, come on, you talking about me at the time when we shot that video, me and Daddy-O had just finished doing the Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers records higher ground. Really? So and I'm remember, like, so what was your involvement in that one? I'll play drums on that. That's me on Shut drums. Up. That's really? not Chad. That's not him. That's me. Damn, I didn't know that at yeah, all. Yeah, that's me on drums. Yeah, I'll be wow. telling people like, right. you know, no, that, come on, man. I mean, he's funky, but he ain't that funky. You know, I'm I, saying. I literally had to, actually, I did that record in one take. I remember when Daddy-O awesome. called me, he called me, um... He called me, he said, yo, he said, come down, I'm doing this Red Chili Peppers record, I want you to do it with me, because I had just came off the success with Paul with right. the Funny Vibe record with Living Color. Yeah, so they and, caught wind of that, I'm sure. Right, so it's like, so when we went in the studio to do it, I, I never forget, I remember Daddy will call me, he said, yo, we got to go back in the studio, man. I said, why? He said, because Flea just called me. I'm like, why did Flea call you? He said, he loved the drums, he want to cut the bass over. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's crazy. crazy. Like, you know, Flea wanted to cut the baseline over. And and again, for your podcast listeners who probably Chili Peppers fans, we're not putting Chili Peppers down. No, no. Just that this was a time that hip-hop was at a growth. And they were fans of hip-hop. Because we ran into the Red Hot Chili Peppers when we were in London in 1988. Oh, wow. They were on tour, too. It was us, Public Enemy, Run DMC, Eric B and Rakim. And we ran into them. And they were like, oh, we fans of Stuff Society. And who knew? That almost a year and a half later that we would come in connection to work with them on, on a record, particularly a Stevie Wonder classic. Yes. Ground. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of did you cut that in New York? Yeah, we cut okay. that we cut that at Green Street Studio, which was okay. uh down downtown. Well, it was a studio with all the rappers we called yeah. it uh Green Street Studios. Yeah, famously I think Pete Rock did all yeah, of their exactly. stuff. Jamie Staub, I think, was the exactly. engineer or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we used Chris Shaw. Chris Shaw and Bob um, were, were, were mainly our main cool. uh, engineers because these guys were recording for 
uh, people like Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen, yeah, but big they rock records. But they were like, we hip hop fans. We want to do trap records. We want to do stat records. And so, you know what I'm saying. So those guys were um, big fans of us because they wanted to make big records. Right. You know what I'm saying. And we was like, why you're not to work with a Billy Joel? You should be happy to be mixing his record. Of course they were. Right. But the fantastic records were the hip hop records, the Public right. Enemy records, and. Because it gave them creativity to do all these crazy... Oh, yeah, so stuff. much more dynamic, too. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We, we had fun, you know, uh, working with those kind of engineers. Yeah. They were really cool. What was your experience with Prince in that, that, that period of time? How long did that, that run for you go? Uh, well, well my, my situation... Well, actually, to, to kind of go back real quick, in yeah. 1988, we, did, we were on tour. It was us, Public Enemy... Big Daddy Kane. It was the Public Enemy tour. It was called the Bring the Noise tour. Incredible, yes. And um, historic tour. Yes, like live man. video. I remember the live video release of the Come tour. on, you can't get no better than EPMD, Big Daddy Kane, Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince. Um, then they added Hammer on most of the dates. Wow. And they added um, Easy Enum on the other Damn. half of the dates. You know, in certain markets, they added Ice T and a Rhyme Syndicate. Like when we went to Detroit, and so you were on the on the lion's share of that tour, right? Oh, that that was our tour. That's they only cool. added ice. They, they added ice tea and easy and hammer like when we played Oakland or when right. we played uh, the Anaheim Theater in California or right. when we played the Lewis, Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. They added certain acts that were big in that market. Right, right. So, but but the, the bulk of the tour was Stetsasonic, EPMD, uh, Big Daddy Kane, Public Enemy, Jazz Jeff, Fresh Prince. That was Incredible. the bulk of that. That was it was our tour. Right, right. Um, but when we when, when when we did that tour, um, we played Minneapolis. And we played the First Avenue Club, yes, which where Prince and them shot the movie Purple Rain. Of course, still standing I, to this day. Exactly. I remember we I, we was all excited. Me and Prince Paul, we was excited. Like, oh shoot, this is an iconic place, the movie Purple Rain. And and when we got there, I said, Yo, where's that? Where's that backstage area where Prince go go walk down the hallway to the room and huh. it don't exist. Oh right, right. It, it's we're like, Yo, where's that? You know, when he get off the stage, you know, in the movie, you watch him get off the stage and he walk down this hallway, go to his dressing room. You know, you know, to sit down, you know, because he's angry. I'm like, where's the hallway? It don't exist. <laughs> right. They shot it somewhere totally different. Right. They said the guy who run, uh, who owns the club, he said, no, no. He said that was a prop studio when they wow. did that. So when you literally get off the stage, the dressing room is literally right there. <laughs> right. Like when you get off the stage, it's like the, you just hit the corner. That's the dressing room. Right. And we're like, yo, boy, the, the magic <laughs> of movies. But right. anyway, um, but that, it's still the same stage. No oh no, no, no! It's the same no. venue and everything. Right, right. Uh, but so that night we did two shows. Mm. We did a eight o'clock show and then we did a ten o'clock show. Dope. And we was told that Prince was coming, and we was like, "Get the fuck out of here! What right. he, he, he? Come on, stop playing! Right? What are you gonna come to this hip hop show for?" And I never forget it was snowing that day too. I mm. mean, um, it was in December. So um, you know, we came on and we performed, and somebody told us Prince was in the building. Yeah. We was like, get out. So when we finished performing, we had this guy. He was our role manager. His name was Mitch. He did, he did, he don't care who you are. I mean, he wasn't a disrespectful guy. Right. He don't care if Michael Jackson was in the room. If Michael Jackson was in the room, he don't get starstruck. He's right. literally one of them dudes that's like, he'll walk up to Michael Jackson. Hey, excuse me, security dude. This is Michael Jackson. You ever heard of the hip-hop band? Like, he was our biggest cheerleader. Cool. That he didn't want nobody to not misunderstand what was in the making. So he literally walked up to Prince and his people right. and was like, yo, Prince, yo, right. I want to introduce you. This is the original hip-hop band. Like, like he didn't care he was Prince. Like, most people were like, excuse me, you know. Yeah. They just didn't care. Right. He right. wanted Prince to know who we were. 
That's dope. And he walked up to him, and 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 the guy, security guy, was real nice, and he was like, uh, he said, y'all introduce a, a prince to the guys, and he introduced us to him one by one. Oh shit! And he we, he shook our hands and stuff like that, and uh, my whole thing was like, yo, you know, where 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 do cats go to jam at? And that's what struck Prince curiosity because he just kind of thought we were just a bunch of hip-hop b-boys that just walked across the stage and, and, and we had no interest in anything else. He right. had no idea that myself and Chuck D, we were these musical type of guys right. that we wanted to be in places like, you know, we want to see other musicians and other artists. And that, yeah, that kind of struck him. So as as the years went by, not even years, only mainly like maybe a year later, I was able to connect back with Prince because I was, I became great friends with Tony Mosley, mm-hmm. who was a part of Prince and the New Power Generation. He was right. a guitar player and he was the rapper. He actually wrote "My Name Is Prince." He wrote the raps to "My Name Is Prince" and he wrote the raps to "Get Off." Yeah, which are gigantic records. Exactly. So me and even to this day, me and Tony are, are still friends. Like we speak so. to each other. Actually, the, 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 you want something for your for your show? I give uh, you a story for your yes, show. Yes, please. When Prince died, Tony didn't even know. Mm. I caught Tony oh, wow. because of the fact that if something was being said about Prince, he was my go-to guy to see if it was true or if it wasn't true. Right. So I Close. Him. He's in the inner circle. Right. right. And he still, he, he, he works, you know, to this day, they still like that connection as, you know, with, you know, as MPG. So I called right. him. I said, yo, I said, what's this thing, man? Everybody, this is rumor about your man. You know, he's like, what? What are you talking? Matter of fact, it's still in my phone to be exact. Oh, the text message. I'm like, yo, what's this thing? Everybody talking about your... Your, 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 your boy, your prince, your man Prince died. Man, he was like, I didn't hear no such thing. Oh, man. I'm like, yo, well, they're saying it. And I see you I'm watching BET right now when they just announced it. Mm. He called me back no more than 60 seconds and said he just got the call. Oh, my God. So I literally, like, put him on, but he didn't even he didn't have a clue. Right. Uh. You know what I'm saying? It was It's real crazy. So my connection yeah. with the whole prince, and then when Prince came to New York, when they did Radio City Musical, I got to watch him. And is uh and watch some sound check. I'm like, who the hell sound checks from one o'clock in the afternoon until showtime? Mm, cool. Like that was my first time experiencing watching somebody sound check. Like when we sound check, we do our sound check like 15 minutes. Sure. Yeah. I'm in Radio City Musical, sitting in the seat, like just, 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 and then he's sound checking from one o'clock to showtime. I'm sure he's doing stuff that he doesn't even perform that night too, right? Right, he did that like, too. He did, and plus Lenny Kravitz was going to be in that show that night too, so he had to go over songs that he was going to do with Lenny Kravitz. Wow. And Lenny Kravitz wasn't there yet, but he he was going over the songs that he he was going to do, like he was going to do songs from the Dirty Mind album, if you were Duh. mine, stuff like that. And he was just going, I'm I'm just sitting there just watching this dude, like, yo, man, like, yo, you. T-. And I remember Tony told me, Tony said, yo, this is what it. Like the band members used to hate him, not hate him, hate him, but because he he sound check to him was like we going over everything. Right. We're not doing this show tonight. We're going to do this show next. <laughs> I know, but yeah, I mean that's uh, that's like part of his genius too. Exactly. That process is is probably yeah agonizing for people in the band where they right. got to work you know, exactly. twelve hours straight or something. Exactly, like that. and I used right. to and I used to always say to myself, "Give me a job," and they say, "You will never take." I yes, I, I said yes, I could because of the fact I'm a drummer and I live to just play all day. Right, you know what I'm saying? So my take on him is maybe different from those guys. I mean, those guys had a fantastic experience with him because those was his musicians, right. and he he knows how to pick good musicians. Oh, you yes. know what I'm saying? Like Sonny the bass player, he idolized Sonny the bass player. Because beside Larry Graham, Sonny was like this guy that lived in Minneapolis that Prince was like, oh my goodness, I need you in my band. But Sonny just knew the grueling work that Prince was going to put 
put them, will put that band. Sure. So my experience with Prince was a great term. I got to uh, jam with him when he did when he did certain shows, like when he played the Palladium. Mm. Like, well, it was no longer the Palladium in New York. Right. And when he was doing a beautiful experience, when when he was no just way. a symbol. Yeah. I got the pleasure, just like yo, Tony was like yo, sit in, be, and I'm like, come on, y'all for the show. Yeah, not well, yeah, well, when he would do these jam sessions, right, right, after the show. Oh, dope, right. And, right. and you talking about four o'clock in the morning, right, right. Like yo, who yo, who does a concert? And then jam at four four o'clock in the morning, man. Yeah. Like this is unheard of. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So people like us got to experience that, or people who was in that circle right. will vouch the story with me. Like who and we're talking about Prince will finish his show at one o'clock and the band be playing someplace, like he makes the band go play somewhere and he said, I'll be there in a little bit. And you would think he's gonna show up one thirty, two o'clock. No, he walks in the room for like ten minutes after four AM in the morning. Oh my god. Ready to play to an <laughs> audience. And it's like right. And he welcomes everybody to jam, whether it's a tambourine or whether, you know, you're on the bongos or you're on the percussion. Like, yeah. you know, he, he welcomed that. And that was one of my greatest experiences. And I, I have to say thanks to Tony for that because mine and his friendship kind of gave me a connection with him and the rest of the band members. That's so dope. Yeah, and it's so interesting, too, because I could see how, how Prince would lock in with, with a musician like you where mm-hmm. you kind of – your your frame of reference isn't strictly to hip-hop. Right, he, right. he obviously had like a kind of – a unique relationship with hip hop. Right, early right. in his career, he right. kind of dissed it a little bit. Too, right, but know? he took also again. That's, that was my point of when I said when we met, when we first met him at the first album when we was on tour. Why was he coming to our hip hop show? Because right. he had a love for Chuck D. He loved Public Enemy. Dope. He, I mean, come on. Even right. on his music, I he said, if it ain't Chuck D or Jam Master, he loved Run that's DMC. Right. Him. He yeah. loved those guys. He loved the fact that we were artful. He loved the fact that what we did with our music, it was so diverse. It wasn't just your, you know, your mediocre, just like, what is it? It was like, what are you guys doing to the music? And and even though you're using a James Brown record, but it don't sound like it because you broke it down. How did you guys? And that was his way of figuring out how he can be a part of it as well without taking too much, but being creative at what he does. Right, right. And that was his introduction to it. He he, he loved Public Enemy. He loved Chuck D. Actually, Chuck D spent more time with him than I did. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because right. he loved the fact. Matter of fact, what am I talking about? He's no, no, no. I take that back. Dougie spent more time with Prince. Really? Then it was yeah. Because anytime Prince was doing a show, he would call Dougie. Interesting. He would yeah. call Dougie Fresh. Yeah. No, well, he's obviously another in- in- incredibly dynamic yeah. performer too. Yeah. Right? Clearly. Yeah. So I take that back. Dougie Fresh spent more time with Prince because whenever Prince was doing a show, he even said it on his record. He said, it's all over the musicology. He said, he said, Dougie got to be there, but you got to call him. You know what I'm saying? It's like he, <laughs> right. he, he, he loved those dudes that were innovate, those rappers that was innovative in their music. Right. Dougie was one of those guys. Dougie was innovative with reggae and doing a beatbox and doing these styles in his music. And he, he loved the fact that. So I take that back. Doug spent more time doing shows with Princeton yeah, than, 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 but, but that just goes to show you he still had the love. For all, uh, all those cats. The one thing I told my guys when I said when I was hanging out with Prince, matter of fact, I invited Daddy O came to that Radio City Music Hall show mm. that he did because I invited Daddy O, or Tony invited all of us. Right, right. And only me and Daddy O showed up uh, to that Radio City Music Hall show. Right. And um, 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 and, and, and then Prince, we, we had no idea that this guy knew, you know, talking all that jazz. Right. We had no, no knowledge that he even knew a song that we did called Sally. Right. You know, we just thought that this was passing him by and mm-hmm. it didn't pass him by. So yeah. we were happy at the fact that he acknowledged the fact that um, we were the first act 
that even incorporated jazz or even the word jazz in our music. Sorry to all the other rappers who did it later on. Right. But we literally were the first group to incorporate that. Oh, big time. I mean, yeah, that song is, uh, yeah, was instrumental in, exactly. in breaking that, that whole concept exactly. open and yeah. making a statement about sampling. Too. Right. Like, so big shout yeah. out, big, big shout out to, to, to Guru and them. Well, rest in peace, Guru. But big shout out to Premier and all those guys who wind up uh, tagging all along later after we have done it, and Tropical Quest who took who spent days in the studio with us anyway before right. the really? album was even. Yeah, they spent time with us in Calliope Studios just watching us do our album with the oh. Jungle Brothers, and you know because we all did our albums in the in the same studio. Right, right, right. Um, so you know, the big shout out to them. They've 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 taken and done it well. You know, we're, absolutely. We're not saying anything bad about them. And a, a, a Tropical Quest, any Tropical Quest record, even till this. Day got that jazz influence is like remarkable. Absolutely, you know yeah. what I'm saying. So, yeah, Q-tip but, really per- perfected that vibe. Exactly. Too. So yeah. that, that's not to take away, but you know, we we took challenges and we cha- and even even to the fact the record talking all that jazz, we defended all the rappers because at right. that time, people like Gladys Knight and James M. Toomey and all oh, that yeah. they were dis- they were dissing us big they, time. They were calling us uh, not talented. They were calling us. Uh, not creative. They were saying what you're doing is is stealing. You're not creative in your work. Um, yeah, M. Toomey took a lot of shots at hip hop back then. I he feel did. Like. Yeah. And what's so funny is that him and Daddy are the best of friends. Today. Oh shit! Really? You know what I'm saying? Mm. But that that record got sparked because we did a radio interview with them, and right after we left that radio interview, Daddy on the light went directly in the studio, and that song was written. Wow. Like, literally. We finally got a story that we heard old guys back in the days tell how they made their record. Right. We finally got a record that tells that same story. Because yeah, yeah. after we left that radio station interview, feeling angry that these guys was dissing us, that was that, that they went right in the studio and recorded. Awesome. And the record starts off with, with, here's how it started. Heard you on the radio, talking about rap, saying all that crap. Right, about right. How, and, 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 and for me, I had a huge, I still do today, I had a huge crush on Gladys Knight. Mm-hmm. But to hear Gladys Knight say, Oh, but you guys, you know, it's not really music, and I understand how I was getting pissed at her. Sure, like, yeah. come on, I I gotta love Jones for you. You, right. you, but we were young. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And they were probably threatened by your success. Of course, they were. Rap music was taking over. Black yeah. radio was changing Big quickly. Time. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Like it was in humans rapping R&B together. Your Albie Shores was created. Your guys and Teddy right. Roddy was created. Your Keith Sweats was created. It was making a turn. Big time. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of slowly pushing the Gladys Knight and them all a little bit out. And then James M. Toomey. But James M. Toomey got hip. He was able to connect with the hip-hop cats and learn to, to grow and develop with them. So that, he kind of caught on later, but in the I wonder beginning. if he caught... Do, do, do you know... Do, do you remember the immediate reaction from some of those artists from that record at, in the moment? Like, did you catch flack for that record when it first came out from that... From the older brass of of funk and R&B artists that, that you were taking aim at? Like, do you recall there being blowback from them? Being like, well, was well, this record is aimed at us? Well, you know? well, no, well they, they knew it was definitely aimed at them. A lot of them had some beef with us because of the fact that, um, I'll give you a perfect example. Right. The baseline of Talking All That Jazz is a record by, it's called Expansion. Right. It's by this young man by the name of Lonnie Smith. Yes. We met him. Really? We met him when we was making that record. Mm. And of course, we wanted to get the rights to use that. So you need to clear we, yeah, the permission. We, yeah, we loved the baseline right. because we thought the baseline had to be the craziest jazz baseline ever. Yeah. Now, of course, we went in and said, "Well, with that takes the case, we'll just create our own." And I think the one we created wasn't bad, but just that. Boom, 
boom, boom, boom, boom, boom, boom, was all was like it's something. And we was like, look, we don't have a problem in paying for this. Let's make an example. It's called talking all that jazz anyway. Right. You know what he did to us? He said, let me hear what y'all did to it. We played what we did to what we was using for it. And then he gave us a price. Okay. He gave Tom Silverman a price. He said, here, the young bloods. He said, he said, this is what I want for it. Y'all take it. It's y'all's. He said, y'all, y'all, do what y'all, y'all doing something different with it now. His attitude was beautiful. We just thought he, we was going to pull teeth. and right, right. He heard it and he was cool. He was like, this is really... He said, the way y'all did it, it's nothing than what I did it. Mine was faster and it was more percussionist and very 70s driven. Yeah. He said, the way you guys did it, it gave it a dance and it gave it a whole nother... He said, no, nah, yeah, he, he gave us his price. Tom and him paid for it. And, mm. he, and he said... Take it. So, yeah. Do what's easy. Y'all don't already took it to another level. Y'all go ahead and take it. Yeah, that's rare. Because, yeah, that he would appreciate it too, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah, the, art, the artistry involved. And we was like, whoa. Like, and to this day, we just, we loved him for life because it was, it had to be one of our most co- uh, commercialized record um, that had a message that defended rap. Right. That defended rap music and the rappers. And I tell rappers from the, from, from our past and even our futures, I said, y'all, y'all, y'all talking all that crap right now. Well, I'm talking all that crap. Y'all talking all that mess uh-huh. right now that y'all don't realize that when that record was out, we defended y'all without using any curses. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it drove the point home because like, you got to take into consideration because it was such a popular music video, too, right. that it really hit middle America. Exactly. You know, young white kids watching MTV. Exactly. That, they had no idea about what sampling was, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. Lonnie Liston Smith might be, and like, and just any of the reference points. They just got this. Like, this is obviously impactful. These guys are at the, the steps of City Hall. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're making a statement, and there's this, you know, it was a... It was a um, very visual music video, too. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, uh, big shout out to Fab Freddy, who, uh, who actually directed it. He did? Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, he shot that video. And so, my man, Koti Mundi, is uh, in, in the, the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. interviewed him for this podcast uh, okay. months ago. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, we, we, we had a great time, man. And, and, and we later on wind up becoming great friends with a lot of those artists. Dope. Because we, we showed them that we were more than just... A rap act. We showed them that we were, we were more musically inclined. And when they saw us working on these rap records, they was like, oh, these guys, they more than just rap. These guys right. are really a part of what we're part of. So we we, we, we proved that point. Right. <laughs> I'd love to talk a little bit about what your, um, you know, musically and where, what your life was like before Step, like how you even got picked up uh, the drums. Because if you were, uh, you know, uh, gigging and I guess even touring right before getting into it what was yeah what was what were you doing like growing up like when did you pick up uh that even the that instrument were you taking lessons did you play in no, school or no something? I, didn't, I didn't take lessons actually I, I learned to pick up the drums because my brother was my brother's a musician he, mm-hmm. he plays guitar he played with uh Sister Sledge Manhattans you know he played with a lot of uh, the groups from the 70s so um him playing guitar I took a, a, a liking to drums, and I will say this story every time I do interviews. I've done a lot of interviews, and this story will stay the same. Okay. Um, I take in a loving to the drums, uh, liking James Brown breakbeat records, but it wasn't James Brown drummer Clyde who got me to want to play drums. Okay. It was Diamond from the Ohio Players so. who got me, because I always wondered, how was he doing this, this fast thing on his, on his kick? Right. Like he would play drums and you would hear him do like, you know, just, like with just the kick. Right. You know, like, is, does he have two drum sets? Or, and I saw him one time play and and, and he had one, one drum kit. 
So I'm like, how's he Did doing? Did he have that? a double? Like, he didn't a, have a double. He didn't have a double pedal needed because okay. I actually checked for that. Right, right. It was one foot. And I was like, and I wanted to learn how he did that. It took me a while, but I learned how to do it. Is it just being that fast? With yeah, it's been, and, 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 and your pace, your, your timing, you know, because, you know, how you play and how you, you know, you want to do, you know, your yeah. timing, how you do it. And he was the guy that got me. So I learned how to play drums, practicing every Ohio player's record I can learn. So Learning James Brown records was easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a little more straightforward in a yeah, way. Yeah, but but still, Clyde is a hard drum. Right. Anybody yeah. say they could play funky drum is lying. No, no. So no. it's a hard record to you know pattern to learn. But maybe the Ohio players is a tougher read as far as like obviously your 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 ear picked up on something that was a little more buried into. Yeah, it. yeah, and and just the embodiment of what they were doing. Like, it, and it wasn't even the hit records that that drew me. It wasn't fire or, right. or roller coasters. It was songs like Fop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we with the beginning where it goes boom, bop, doo, boom, 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 and it's like, yo, how's he doing this? <laughs> right. And I wanted to know how he was it was those records on like sweet sticky thing. Mm-hmm. Those records kind of drove drove me to like, yo, how's this guy playing? And, and it was a need for me to learn. I didn't go to drum school. My father took me to a drum class. Uh it was a friend that lived in our neighborhood. He said, Oh, if your son wanna play drums, you know, he can go to this a drumming class. And they mm. took me to this drumming class and they give you this pad. It's this pad with a rubber on it. Right, right, right. And they tell you, you know, you do, you know, you just, you just hit the pad, hit the pad. And at, back then, they called it Mama Daddy. Oh, really? So you okay, do the Mama Daddy, Mama Daddy, uh, Mama Daddy. Till you, hmm. you do your brrr, you drum. Right. So, I mean, I, 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 went, I went to this class. I spent an hour in there. And after I did it, and I showed them that I could do it. So I said, okay, well, good, you know. But that's how you got to practice. You go home, you practice that, and then the... So keep doing mama daddy. I'm like, but I already got the mama daddy. I don't want to do this no more. Can I get to, you know? Yeah. I ain't never go back. <laughs> yeah. You're ready to play pretty much right away, right? Right there. That right. one day, my father said, you're going to go back next year. I'm like, no. I just want to, you know. Right. So I got on my drum set and learned how to play everything listening to the records. And it was the Ohio Players records that uh, the Diamond Show taught yeah. me. How to play. Learning everything else everybody else played. Any drummers like New Birth Band, listen to New Birth or any other other groups was kinda easy after learning right. the how to play. Earth Wind and Fire stuff was 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 easy to play. Not easy, but it was easy to learn how to play. Yes. And once I got myself in a in a in a pattern of each how each song is played and stuff like that, I knew that I was on my way. So I self taught myself. So and you're coming from a, a, a funk tradition too. I'm right. Like, also rest in peace to Juni Morrison too. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that, so then what did, when did you start picking up gigs? Was it even was that even that must have been obviously later on. I mean you're how old were you at this point in time? Just like junior high? Well yeah, I was, yeah junior I, I got my first gig, a paying gig, actually as a drummer uh, again, picked up a friend of mine. He was playing with Natalie Cole. And um, at that time, I was already just, I was playing around and about in local bands. But I, rap music was building. And Stessa Sonic was building, too. Right. Just Say Step was the first record that came out. We Stessa, There was no album. It was just a 45 right. single that was out. And Tommy Boy was testing the waves with to see what this record or what this group is going to do. Um. And he said, well, look, he said, like, there's a couple of gigs coming up now. He's doing it. I think, I don't know the reason why they fired the drummer, why the drummer wasn't there. But um, he said, look, you know, um, uh, you can cover the gigs. I know you could play. He's actually from our area. And he said, look, you know, there's only a couple of shows. Pay a little bit of money. Well, you make some money. You do some dates. And that's how I got the gig with Natalie. Mm. Funny thing about that Natalie Cole thing, though, is that Natalie Cole chewed the asshole out of me. Really? <laughs> yeah, man, because. She was tough? 
it wasn't that she was tough. Again, you're talking about a young 16-year-old kid who my group says the Sonic, we was getting ready to come out with a record. Rap music was the thing. Yeah. Who cares about Natalie Cole? (laughs) Right, right. That was my attitude, which was a wrong attitude. Because the first thing was, that's Nat King Cole's daughter. That's the first thing. Right. Second thing is, this is the 80s. So she had hits prior to Pink Cadillac and everything else she was doing later on. So don't misunderstand who you're in the presence with. But you're 16 years old, (laughs) man. Who cares, man? Run DMC is hot right now. Russell's thinking about managing Stetsasonic. Tommy Boy is is, is preparing a Stetsasonic album on fire. Huge. Come on, man. We getting ready. We Natalie Cole ain't gonna be ain't gonna matter at this. That was my whole attitude. Sure. Now you're not gonna matter really. You know what I'm saying? Because we again, Houdini was hot. Fat Boys was hot. Right. Russell and them was, they was just preparing to shoot Cross Groove. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we was thinking, this guy's getting ready to manage us. We're on our way. Everybody, we hot right now. Right. You know? Come on. Running C just did walk this way with Aerosmith. We're on our way. We got the guy who's the spit. So my attitude with Natalie Cole was like, you know, and I think I played some one of her songs the wrong way. Not the wrong way. I played it. Where I thought give it a little hip hop feel, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Because you know this, this is where we getting ready to go. <laughs> yeah. And her whole thing was like, stop, everybody, stop. Yeah. And she this, didn't want that. And this was her, her, her pre cocaine days. So the cocaine could have probably spared her to G O. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But but she stopped. Right. And no, I don't. That's too busy. I don't need you too to be. Busy, you know right. that that busy. You know the song and and I got a little peeved. Sure. Like. Pfft, Yo, we get we can ready to put out a literally. I'm telling you, we can ready to put out a record. You know what I'm saying? Hip hop is getting ready to happen, and <laughs> yeah. and and we can ready to quote. Never forget her word. May she rest in peace. I don't care who you are or what group you with. Mm. When you in my camp, played the way how I want it to be played and how I want it to be sound. Other than that, drummers lined up right now. Obviously, I did the gig, but then after that, I ain't never get the call back. Because <laughs> it was like, right. you know, and I, I even said to myself after that, yo, this that's the sign of thing about to happen. Or if I see her again, she's going to really be like, never bite the hands that, that could feed sure. you for the future. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, it, it was, again, learn lessons. Since that yeah. moment, I've also learned how to balance myself. Because right. I also got the opportunity to go on tour with Shannon at Shannon's Drum. Yeah, Shannon, Shannon. Let the music play out. Of course. Who I still work with today. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Lilo Thomas, who was an R&B right. artist back in the days where all these R&B hits, the three albums, took me on tour with them too. Now, mind you, while I was in Stessa Sonic, when we had a break, I was touring with them. So you were playing with Shannon back then, yeah. Too. So yeah. let the music play was still a gigantic right. record. Right. I actually played with Shannon when I never got the call back from Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> that was the next. You were right. Jump over. Right. You know what I'm saying? So Dope. And, Dope. and and it was cool because she was we we were of the same age group and peers. You know what I'm saying? Freestyle music was and hip hop was yes. breaking in. So I was like, okay, this is our thing. So we you know we good. But still, I took the attitude of never, never. Um, look at anybody and I, have to, I had to remind myself what I had talked like that to Dominable Ohio players or what I had talked like that to somebody who I, I was a fan of that sure. time so I, I, I caught myself later on and realized that wow you know but the experience was great right. and um, yeah so that, that was my, my, my beginning stages way into to Stessasonic Incredible. Yeah, I could talk about stories about that for days. I I love hearing about that shit, man. (laughs) But I know also, too, you don't have a ton of time. So I'd love to talk a little bit about the video stuff. Because Mm -hmm. because you now 
like because this is also in the in the lineage of uh, uh, of there's like a certain history with like music video shows in New York City, cable mm-hmm. access in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, hip hop music video shows in New York City. Of course, Ralph McDaniel's, right, yeah. and then uh, uh, even, yeah, and mm-hmm. even to in a more kind of underground cult way, Star and Buck Wild, you know, started right. in cable mm-hmm. access. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm huge fans of both of theirs, and I I, I just I'm also a, a, a child of music videos. I, I I love music videos from back in the day and I've directed some and um so what how when does this happen for you and and can you break down even just like uh um you know like what channel this was or how you even broke into that because this is this is all post that's a sonic right but, but, well yeah well, but when I got into television um this was during our crazy phase of the blessed one of tears album and we seemed like we was all going in separate directions right. um it was at a time where we had one more album to do for Tommy Boy. Oh, after Blood, Sweat, After no Blood, Sweat, No Tears. Unfortunately, because we Tommy Boy and Stutz Sonic, we couldn't come to an agreement of the plan and the change. Mm-hmm. We decided to say, well, you won't get an album if there's no group. Mm-hmm. So we didn't break mm-hmm. up because we didn't like each other. We just broke up that we wasn't planning to give Tommy Boy another album. Damn, so somehow the squeeze from the label had, right. you know, right. did that to They them. wanted to, to get us different producers to produce the album to give us different sounds right. and that wasn't happening so um, you know I'm gonna come back to the TV thing so sure. seeing the success of the Grave Diggers later on of course. what made you think that we can let other people produce us when we still can produce ourselves and just create that album so that was that problem so at the process of doing that um, I actually caught the television bug uh, by a friend uh, she was her name was Rosie G she was hosting her own local television show and we were a guest on that show promoting the speaking of a girl named Susie Recker cool um, a year later uh, her producer called me and said hey look you know Rosie got into a car accident would you like to come in and cover you know a hmm. host until she come back I said sure no problem you know you pay me sure I'll come through so um, he definitely uh, looked out for me I hosted I think three episodes the, the, the one episode and what's funny I, I still have all these episodes on tape Dope. I kept every show I did on videotape incredible the first the first well, not the first. The person who I had to interview for her because she was she was in the hospital was D Nice. D Nice was a guest on the show, and because I knew D Nice, it was it was easy to interview him. This wasn't even a problem. Yeah, sure. So, um, and after I did it, she came back. He called me like I think maybe a week. I think we was out on a road. We did a couple of spot dates some places, and then um, I, we were in Canada. And I came back, and he called me. And he said, "Look." He said, people really liked your energy of what you did with the D-Nice thing. How would you like to co-host the show with the girl Ro? It's like, sure, if it's, if, it's, if it's some way of getting into it. So I got into television through a guy by the name of Jack Wendorf, who okay. called me to do this local show. He's like the producer. He was the producer like show, yeah. Um, so after that, he wound up not doing the show anymore. After I did a couple episodes with them. Um, what channel? What, so what was this the was on a that? local? This was on a local station. This was the PBS channels for Brooklyn or for all of New York City. This or? was for all of New York okay. City. This was a PBS that had that had Channel Thirteen. Channel Thirteen. Channel yes. uh, the, the same Thirty One that Rob McDonald used to be on. Then they had all these other channels, Fifty Four, Thirty Five, and then they wound up connecting with Manhattan Cable. Mm. So what happened was um, after the show got shut down, he decided to move to Miami, Florida. The guy who owned the television station wanted to get into the music business. Okay. And he said, well, look, I remember you used to host a show 
with uh, Jack. He said, um, I'm interested in doing a music program. Or would you be interested in doing your own show? So I told him, yeah, if, if you let me be at control of it. So, of course, he gave me total control. But his, his, I remember his, his stick was, you do the show if you promote. He had psychic readers. <laughs> he had the okay. psychic readers. Right. And he said, if you promote my psychic readers, <laughs> you can have the freedom to do what you want. Funny thing about it was that it wasn't, it wasn't until Salt from Salt and Pepper. Mm-hmm. I had them as a guest on my show. And she said, yo, this is really cool. People calling in a request for videos, and they calling in for psychic readers. She said, I hope you're getting a piece of that. Mm. And I didn't even think about it until she said it. Mm-hmm. And I had to renegotiate my deal with the guy, uh, James Claddock is his name. <laughs> Did he uh, come oh, to terms Oh, of course, of course. I wound up doing that show. I wound up producing my own television show for almost damn near... Ten years. Wow, I was doing that show. How was it? Thirty minutes, an hour? Like what did it? No, I used to do flavor videos live. It wasn't a tape show. It was live. I would do that show Monday through Saturday, three p.m. to seven p.m. I would take a break and come back and do midnight to six in the morning. Damn, live. That's like a that's a crazy schedule. Live, no tape. I would literally because he owned his own television studio, so he could do a live feed into the yeah. That's what he did. We had a live feed going into Atlanta, Georgia. A live feed going into Miami, wow. Florida. A live feed going to Channel Seven in Philadelphia, and then they had the live feed going to New York. So I had people in Atlanta watching me. That's how I, I I was the one who introduced Trick Daddy on my show. No way, because they were watching in Poking Beans and Liberty Liberty City, all that in Miami, uh-huh. Florida. Dope. Same thing with Atlanta, Georgia. I remember uh, T Boz and them called. TV, they said, yeah, we're coming out with a record. We want you to play our video. I was like, okay, when it come out, send it to me. Who knew TLC will be the biggest girl group till this day? Right, right. So it, it, was, it was a cool thing, and I knew there was way, ways to make money. I made good money doing it, and it was a way for me to connect with people in the business. You know, to this day, I still have this videotape. Mary J. Blige was introduced on my show. Really? My show, not anybody else's right, show. Right, right. B- and I, I've always checked. BET wasn't playing our video yet. Right. MTV definitely wasn't playing our video because she wasn't a huge, she wasn't even a huge R&B black act to be playing on MTV. What's her very first video? It's not what's the 411, obviously. No, her very first video was You Remind Me. Yes, okay. And then her second video was Real Love. Real Love, okay. So when You Remind Me came out, it wasn't a huge success. So BET and was like, well, we're not going to put it in really that much rotation. Right. I actually had her and Puff come down to the station. So. And I said, and I remember Puff said, "Yo, can I bring? I said, bring her down." It was this girl named Kelly who actually was uh, head of video promotions department, and they was like, "Yo," because they watched my show. They was like, "Yo, Bobby, we want to bring her on the show." I was like, "Bring Mary down, no problem." Mary had no idea that the show reached out to so many people. Right? She just thought it was a local show. Sure. And when you watch the videotape of me interviewing her, she'll say, does this show come on in, in Slow Bomb? And then somebody called her and said, hey, Mary, you watching your Slow Bomb? She was like, oh, I'm on the Slow Bomb. And it's like, she was like, I didn't know this show get on. I said, yeah. I said, Mary, this show is everywhere. We're wow. on in Miami. I said, how, say how to people in Miami. Say how to people in Atlanta. You know. So Mary was literally the first. All those acts I brought, they all came through my show. Dope. Eminem came through my show. Me and Eminem did an interview together in the bathroom. <laughs> on a tour. in a club or something? No, no, no. We were in a restroom in the bathroom, <laughs> right? Doing the, the 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 interview. That's hilarious. And then when I finished the interview, I was like, "All right, we're gonna check out this video." And we both pretend like we were taking a piss. <laughs> and he was saying right. he was at the time he had just released uh, the Slim Shady song. Wow! And he would say it, sing it, going into going into the video. into the video, wow. peeing. 
<laughs> so all those cats came through my show. All those groups came through my show. Right. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So it was pretty cool for me. And you had a good relationship with Ralph McDaniels because obviously I, he, he played a big part in that. Oh too, yeah, right? Ralph McDaniels actually is the guy who gave me was the reason why I decided to do it because so. in fact I worked with Ralph really? back in 80, uh, 86, 87. I actually did a, I did a promo for Ralph McDaniels for his video show. Um, and I worked with Ralph during his show days too, like, you know, uh, work doing the promos or work doing certain drops for the show. Right. So, you know, me and Ralph have a great relationship even to this day. Cool. You know what I'm saying? So Ralph is that. I always tell people, people always say, oh yeah, you know, Bobby, you, you know, you're better than Vino Music, but like, stop it. Y'all have to understand. It's the right. same thing what Quest would say about us. Sure. It's like, there's nothing bad that I have to say about Ralph McDaniels because one, he gave me an opportunity to work with him. That's one. Two. Um, he was the guy that introduced us videos that we wouldn't have never known exist. Right, he put a lot of people on too yeah. and directed it, a lot of stuff. Directed, yeah. right. And then on top of that, we have to remember, Video Music Box wasn't not only just a video show, it was a community program because Rob McDaniels actually was a guy that went to all the communities to tell you what was going on, whether it was with the Al Sharptons or whether it was with whoever that was going on within the communities. Mm. Rob McDaniels actually brought the Fresh Fresh into our homes. Because mm. oh, he yes. went there and taped the whole concert. Right, yeah. So those who didn't make it to the concert, they got to see it through him. Yeah, that's that's a critical time to witness that. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm saying, you know, you you. I remember people used to always try to get me to pin me in. You can't. You would. You could never get. Right. You could. You can say my show was your favorite show. You. I don't care. I take the compliment. Right. But you're never ever going because I've seen how Ralph built this. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like you, we owe gratitude to him because of the fact that. MTV wasn't touching Divine Sounds What People Do For Money video. Yeah, wow. Yes. They wasn't touching that. Yeah. Ralph was playing that. Right, right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, you know, yeah, well, Ralph, he faded out. And you, no, I can't say that. Right. Because he, he built that for, for me to even decide that, well, I want to do one of those. Sure. Come on. And it is an era where music videos were really, really important, too. Right, you right, know? right. Uh, I mean, they still are. In fact, they kind of have a second life now, I feel right. like. But... In the late 80s and into the early 90s, I mean, mid-90s, I mean, yeah, I mean, people found out about groups and albums and singles because of music videos. Exactly. You know, so many people. Exactly. Um, and he, he was that guy. So I, I owe, and a lot of people owe a lot of, you know, great tribute to him because he, when we were home preparing our records like the On Fire album, right. he was the guy that was showing us all this. We saw Houdini like... You know, before we got the performer Houdini, he brought that concert into our homes. Dope. That we right. turned on the video music box, and he did a whole segment, an hour show on. I was at this video music box, Ralph McDaniels at the Fresh Fresh concert, yeah. and he would show us the whole concert. The yeah. Fat coming up next is the Fat Boys, and he would show it to us. Yeah, and we're like, "Yo, that's Nassau Coliseum. We're gonna perform there." You know, it's like oh. he 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 he's that guy. So my whole entire th though I, my show was different. My show played music videos, but I used my show to be more comical. Yeah, you have it was like a, you have like a one man show right. element. To exactly, it as well. exactly. With so the killer uh, split screens. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah. You were more like an an actor, like you know, and doing sketches and exactly yeah. because I wanted to. Um, at the time, I was also coming up doing comedy. Me and Tracy Morgan used to come do, do the comedy clubs together. Really? Back, back in the 90s. You're yeah. doing stand-up. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know We used know to that. do that back in the... We, we would work the Uptown Comedy Club and work out our materials just to see what was good. And, and I said, well, now that I'm doing this TV show, I can work it out here on the show. Yeah. Though there's no audience here, but I can know if it's funny 
people will let me sure. know by calling or right. telling me the next day, you know. So I was able to work it out to see, you know, how this thing works out. Yeah, I mean, what but, a platform, too. Right. right. So so my show was way different than what Ralph was doing. Ralph was, even though I still was giving rappers opportunities to play their videos and to introduce to the audience, but Ralph's thing was really about, this is what I'm about. Right. My thing was about, I'm about the music videos, but... After music videos, y'all gonna spend five minutes of listening to me talk stupid stuff right. or be funny or whatever or yeah. try you know stuff like that. Yeah, it was like a, you were uh, had a, it was like a personality. Exactly, it was a persona you were creating exactly. too. Exactly. I mean, because people can see some of the stuff on YouTube. I mean, it's like right. you know. Um, but the split screen stuff is pretty inventive, like the jail sketch too, where it's like oh yeah, you're yeah, playing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's taking like real like. You know, a, there's a cinematic element where you're playing two characters simultaneously, right, right, dialoguing right. with one another. Right, 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 yeah. You know, in in a studio. I yeah, mean, like, yeah, that's dope. Like, what were you consciously writing sketches too, or like, how did that? Yeah, I would put together skits after watching those skits. Those skits weren't even written out. Those skits. It's all improv. Yeah, it was like literally, literally me. I was watching um, because again, I did the show live. So right, right. what I had to do was. I was watching this film. They repeated it all the time. It was called Scared Straight. It's mm, a jail film. Mm. You know, kids going to jail and they want to scare right. straight, you know, not to go to jail. So after watching it, I knew that I had a midnight show, live show, the TV show, because that was my schedule. Right. Three to seven. I take a break, come back midnight to 6 a.m. in the morning. Right. So I said, um, I told my engineer, Ray, I said, yo, Ray, I want to do this skit. I said, I'm split the screen. And I said, I'm going to do one routine on one side. And I had to figure out how I was going to do it. Because I only did that in one take. Wow. I didn't do that like in a bunch of time. I had to do that in one take. So I had to figure out how I was going to do it. So what I did was I did the guy who sits down because he didn't have to say much. I see. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I, I had to do that first. Right. And then remember how... And look at, you didn't see me looking at, because it was a monitor that showed me what he was doing. Dope. I can't see it in front of me. Sure. But I can see it on a monitor like when I'm talking, so I know when he's getting ready to move. Very cool. Then I can go, don't move, and you know, and then it looked like, oh, shoot, how you know he's going to move? I knew it because right. I had already planned it out, watching it on the monitor, what he's going to do. So I knew how to play that routine out. Yeah, because it's five plus minutes or something. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a long improv yeah. piece. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. Especially to do it back to back. Right. So I did that in one take, like, like just, to, just to cut it. And then when I look back at it, I see mistakes, but no one would see it because like, sure. it just looks crazy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I said, no, leave it the way it is. And we aired it that night. And that became nice. people's um, uh, classic skit for my show. And oh, that's, so would you replay it? Oh, I would replay it, yeah, oh. because I needed something to, again, the show was really mainly about me working out my routines and being right. more of a personality, comedic personality. So that's, that. my show, again, was way different than Video Music Box. The only difference, the same between me and Video Music Box is that we played videos. Right, I see, yeah. That was it. Other yeah. than that, Ralph wasn't trying to be a comedian or Ralph was a VJ, a DJ. Yeah, definitely. That was yeah. it. Though I had a hand in DJing too because I DJ Land Quarters right. and I also was a on-air personality on, on WBLS. Oh, so yeah. I had my hand in, in all kinds of communication. But the difference between Ralph and me was that Ralph literally, he was a broadcaster. I wasn't a broadcaster. Right. You know what I'm saying? I jumped into this because of the fact I was in music right. and I knew that things that I could handle. Ralph has something that he actually went to college for and he built a career on broadcasting. 
Yeah, and he has that air air to him. Like mm-hmm. he's got the voice. Yeah. He's got the. He's like he. You could see him doing the news. Yeah, you that's know? his like, thing. And, yeah. and he did that. Like I said, he right. would his show would he would bring things in our home. What was going on in the community? Right. You know what I'm saying? And that was his thing. And that's what we appreciated from. So I always tell people, as long as people can listen to me, I'm going to educate them about somebody that they know nothing about. So right. you can't talk bad about, about Ralph McDaniels if you don't know what he contributed. You yeah. contribute a lot. A lot for you know a lot, for a long period of time, still yeah. continuously. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of young kids who's trying to do video shows or their Instagram shows right. know that Ralph right. McDaniels did a lot. Oh, no question. And they need to respect him on that, yeah, too. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So did, TV was fun. Did um did Biggie ever see you? Did the Notorious yeah, he did. He did Give me that. the loot. You did yeah. the split yeah. screen. Yeah. Give me the loot, right? Yeah, he did see that. He saw it. Um, And again, I always tell people, because people figure I've been in this business, I've met a lot of people. Daddy O and Biggie were friends. Right, and they did joints together. I right, think. they did uh, uh, the Junior Mafia record. Daddy O got the project for him and Underdo. And plus, Daddy O and Biggie lived up the block from each other on putting them in gates Dope. over okay. there. So they, they could literally walk to each other's homes. Right. Um, so I actually only met Biggie on two occasions. Okay. Um, one at Daddy O's video shoot of Brooklyn Bounce. Oh, nice. He was there for He that? was there. Yeah, he was there for that video. Um, and then I met him at Daddy-O's house when Daddy-O was getting ready to go on tour to promote his solo record, The Never Be a Daddy-O album. Yes, I love that album too, by right. the way. Great so, so um, and he, I remember he was at Daddy-O's house and, no, I'm sorry, no, three times. I met Biggie three times. Okay. I met him when Daddy-O was doing the Mary J. Blige Real Love record. Right, right. And Biggie cut that in Daddy-O's studio. Dope, dope. In his house. And I remember watching Biggie cut that in one take. Wow. Literally one take. <laughs> all that stuff. To look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a blow, all that, and peace to daddy, in. yo. Wow. One take. So my experience with Biggie, the only story I have to share about Biggie is that, and the fact that he was able, later on, maybe a year later, was able to, to see, and he also was a fan of my show, too, because my show was on when he was doing his... um. When he was doing sure. the, uh, the party and bullshit record, right? So my show was on. It, it, it was Baby New at the time. Um, so he what, that was the what was Baby New? That was the name of the show? No, no, no. It was it was pretty much at his baby oh, stage. Yes, it was a new course. show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so everybody that was from the hood of Brooklyn, right, they, right, they right. got it because it was free TV. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So it was like and if so, it's videos, you some people just put it on and it'll exactly, stay on. Exactly. Know? And at the time, I used to kill only videos I had to kill. At that time, because I didn't really have a library of a lot of videos. Okay. So the only videos I had to kill was was Keith Murray's. Okay. The most beautiful thing. So that one's like yeah, that was like my constant video. I had to play a lot. I didn't really and R and B videos like Milestone and all you know not Milestone um Brownstone and all these. I didn't really have that much collection, so I had to develop a relationship with the uh, record companies to let them know I had a video show. So yeah, Vicky did get to see Give Me That Loot and just thought it was crazy. Like yo, I'm like yo, how how do you yo how do you do that? And I was like, well. I just learned each character. Right. And again, that was another video I did in one take. Dope. Because I had to know which character who was going to be who. All I had to know was I was the one guy and the Robin was the motherfucking right. And he right, was that. Right. So it was easy to kind of figure how I was going to do it. And he just yeah. thought it was really crazy. Yeah, um, <laughs> To this day, Diddy won't let me release it because of the license of the song. Right, right, right. But people, it's a classic to the people. Absolutely, yeah. Underground classic. Yeah. And it just like gives a cool visual to a song that, I mean, everybody knows the lyrics to that yeah, song. And yeah. immediately you have this visual of the two characters that Biggie created, yeah. too. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, and that's what some girl said, too. Some girl actually emailed me and said, um, 
I, I, I always wondered, was there a video to this? And she said, now I know that there is your video. <laughs> yes. She said, because whenever I hear the record, I think of what you did. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of crazy that someone can think of me of one of which one of my favorite Biggie records. Because yes. I, I heard that song before the album came out. Right. Biggie brought that over when we were wow. going on tour to promote Daddy-O's album. Wow. I remember Daddy-O played it in the car when we was on our way to, 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 to whatever city he was going to, and the album wasn't out yet. Wow. Biggie had just gave it to him and said, yo, Diddy, listen to this, man. Diddy's going to release this. I think the release date was like in four months. Oh, shit. So it wasn't out yet. And I heard it. I said, who's the other guy he's rapping with? And everybody in the car said, that's him. <laughs> I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I said, that's that's both of that's him? I said, oh, he did some Slick Rick thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what Slick Rick used to do. Of course, do. yeah. But he did it way better than Slick Rick. He did it like a character. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like literally. So yeah. it, it was my favorite when we were promoting the Never Be the, uh, the Daddy O's album. Dope. You know, and then after that, I never got the chance to, um, to, 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 to really tell him that it was my favorite. I just told him that I liked the whole album. Yeah, I mean, and to do a tribute in that video, yeah. I would like to think yeah. he, he, would, yeah. he would pick yeah. up on well, that too. I didn't tell him it was my favorite because of the fact I love Warning too. Right, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, favorites yeah. on that. Yeah, but, I love Machine Gun Funk. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Too. There's some, I mean, really, it's uh, it's such a perfect album yeah, you know, yeah. in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. so I, I was able to uh, to at least let him see that. You know, right. before his his timely you know passing and stuff like right. that. But yeah, yeah, he he thought it was like, yo, like how, yo, how you do that? It was like it was easy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I just had to learn what you did and and visualize the character as if you was going to shoot a music video. Right, right. This is how it was going to be. I love to talk. There's a couple things before we yeah, wrap sure, up sure. too. Mm-hmm. Is um is performing ghostettes alive? Like, do you have any? Because that that there's a whole um story about that particular song. You know, the classic. That's a sonic single, but I mean, in New York City, there's like a, you know a, um, a, a lure about that track because in the in its heyday, as far as like when it was being played in clubs, it was like this notorious song where people would get robbed in the yeah. middle of the song. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, particularly when Brook, especially when you know Brooklyn guys would go to clubs in Manhattan mm-hmm. or the Bronx mm-hmm. or wherever. Mm-hmm. And I've interviewed other people and 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 I've you know heard. For years, people always reference that particular song, mm-hmm. and it's you know, quite frankly, it has to be because of the way the drums come in. Right, right, right. Like, do you? What's your recollection of just that track? Because it, it's a notorious song when it comes to sets of Sonic, but it, it it's like transcends the the group to yeah. a certain point. Yeah. Well, the one thing that we notice is that Brooklyn cats and we are Brooklyn dudes. Well, except for Prince Paul. Prince Paul's Long Island, but he's he's across the street. Um, one thing about us, we always liked things that was hard and gritty. You know, Harlem dudes was more smooth. They was like, they dressed up and we smooth cats. Right, right. Everybody, everybody had their ways that we kind of thought was, was fly. Um, but Brooklyn cats, we were hard and grimy. We, we were in the trenches. That was our thing. Right. So we needed something that was in the trenches kind of record. When, that, when Ghost starts to come on, we don't know why people lose their mind. But they, when that's played in the Latin quarters or Union Square or any club, People lose their minds, and that draws people together. Yes. And one thing about Ghost Stats is when it when it draw those people together, please tuck your chain in. <laughs> right. Tuck your chain in, because back then it wasn't they didn't beat you up to take your chain or whatever right. they take. They watched you while you dance, and they dance around you. Right. You never realized they got snatched. <laughs> oh wow. Right. That was. 
the routine. I don't want to give people the impression that, you know, the way they see things today, go in clubs and stick up and shoot people. That wasn't there. It was like, nah. oh, there's the record. Oh, everybody's dancing. Somebody's singing, swinging. You yeah. know, it's up in the it's air. It's up in the bit. air. Right. And because you dance so much, you don't have a clue that it just got snatched. Mm. That was the routine. Right. So you never knew who snatched your chain. It was just one of those records that got people in a frenzy and something you're about to get vicked. <laughs> so it wasn't like it came more. This is a record stick up time. It wasn't that kind. Of right, right, right. It was a record that got everybody in this in a position. And once everybody was dancing, girls too. Right, sure. You know what I'm saying? Girls. I mean, it's a hype record. Exactly. That's what it's designed for. Exactly. Right? And Brooklyn Cats always knew, and they were the ones doing the robbing. <laughs> they always knew. Here's our record. Because in the record, right. we say go Brooklyn, and yes. Brooklyn guys is in there like yeah, and they just they watching. They don't start taking chains right. immediately. The record is four minutes, five minutes long. Right. So right. they got they got four minutes or two minutes, and plus it was longer than that because the DJ used to cut it out. Right, right. So they, they just walked the room and just, you know, where's my, who I'm going to vet? You know, who's saying is swinging? And, you know, and, and it was that kind of record. And would we, you see that with the lot when you would perform it live as well? Oh, yeah, we would always see it. And we, we excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why we never said nothing because it was our people from Brooklyn and we knew it was and we didn't want no problems ourselves. Right, right. So we just said, you know, forget. It. Also, 50 Cent was another guy that used to do it too. Really? Not the rapper 50 yes, Cent. Yes, the other 50 Cent. other 50 right. Cent. Used to hang out with them Strong Island dudes, Long Island, Rock Him and them dudes, man. Like, right. 50 and them used to, you know, well, let's just say he was a, he was, the truth, the way people. He was one of yeah. wild dudes too. You know, it's like, yeah. When that record came on, they knew like it was, it was time. Right. You know what I'm saying? What's when the the Go Brooklyn, which is also you know a, a classic part of the Stet um, mm-hmm. catalog. Where did that vocal thing come from? The actual with the people chanting it, saying it. Was that something? Because the origins of that sample, was that something that you guys had created? We, we been, created that. Yeah, it's been sampled a million times yeah, that's since. Us. You know? That's us on the record. What we did was, back in the days, we used to record our... I don't know if I should say this. Well, I could share the secret now because nobody played live drums no more today. Everybody's using machines and their computers, so I could share the secret. Back in the days, um, the reason why Ghost Etzel or, or This Is It Y'all or No BS Allowed or any of those records, the drums yeah. sound big. yeah. Or even Showtime on the Info Get album, you know, yes. the Showtime and all that stuff. Yes, yes. The reason why those drums, or in my song, all those songs with yeah. the live drums, they, the reason why they sound big was because we used to record our our stuff at Calliope Studios. Calliope Studios was a studio on 37th Street, I think 6th Avenue, if I can remember. And in the studio, in the in the, in the the booth, there's a bathroom right next to the booth. So let's say, like, that's the booth. That's right. the bathroom. Right, right. So what we used to do is, um, when I used to cut live drums, the engineer would put the microphone in the bathroom, leave the bathroom door open, and then mic my drum set up, and then he would have two ambient sounds. He would have yeah. the mic upset, and then the bathroom sound. Right. So that's why you got that bah, 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 that yeah. big that big ambient sound. Yeah, yeah, it gives that natural echo or resonance because exactly. yeah, it's bouncing off the wall in the bathroom exactly. coming out. Right. That's how yeah. we used to cut our live drums. Dope. And that's how we cut the go Brooklyn. We no would way. put the mic in the bathroom and we would stand and go go Brooklyn. So we won't even be in, be near the mic. We would just be standing here. And the mic be there, and we'd be like, go oh, Brooklyn. Dope. And that's how we did go Brooklyn. Dope. You know what I'm saying? On the record. So Love now, that. now everybody sampled it from Mary J. Blige to L. Cool J to yeah. you name them. They all sampled it. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah. And now it's being played in, in, in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Arena. 
Yes, yeah, the, the park. Barclays. Yeah. For so the when night. they do it, they go, like, oh, Brooklyn. You know, so, so you hear us. So you know, it's that's a sign. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, that's incredible. So we, we, we contribute a lot. It was, we, we have, again, we have fun finding ways to create being different with our records. And right. I'll share another secret with, secret with you about Ghost Etza. Ghost Etza is not really a made up beat. Ghost Etza is in Priest the President. Okay, yes. Nobody knew that. So how, what, how was it being used? It sounds different because it's been recorded live. Right. And Priest the President is more thin. It goes, stop, boom, that's it. Ghost that's is, it's played bigger. Yeah. And we used it differently than in Priest the President. We figured, why do what Marley Maul did? Because Marley Maul was a genius at doing that, taking the kick and snare and create that. That's the bridge. bridge. All Marley did was sample the kick and snare in Priest the President. Yeah. And you know, replay it. We didn't want right. it to sound like that. We right. said everybody sampled and preached the president. How are we gonna make this beat sound different? Right. There you go. Dope. So when you hear Go Stetzer, you would never know what's in Preach the President. Yeah, no, I never thought that. I thought when you said that you meant that you guys sampled it and chopped it up. No, 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 no. You're, you're replaying that's it. That's replaying it. It's just got that bigger sound. It's got a sound. bigger sound. And that's, that was, that was Daddy O's dream was why should we sample Funky Drummer? Play it, Bobby. Mm, yes. Why should we have to sample it for? Well, yeah, and you're the original hip hop band. I mean, exactly. it's a band. Even yeah. even Joe Tex Papa was two record that Granddaddy IU used. That yeah. boom, bop, boom, 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 boom. Yep. Daddy, when we did This Is It, y'all, Daddy was like, why sample it? Play it, Bobby. So yeah. when you hear that This Is It, y'all, bam, 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 boom, boom, bam. Right. That's all out. Why should we sample it? You can play it, Bobby. Yeah. And that was his dream of creating this hip hop band. We don't have to sample it. Right. We can play it. Right, right. So right. people won't identify it with the record unless we tell them. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea. So it's like, yeah. A lot of people didn't yeah, have no idea that works. was in Priest the President. Because yeah. when you hear Ghost Stetson, you hear Priest the President, you go, I don't hear Priest the President. Sure. Yeah. Because we didn't want it to sound like in Priest the President. Right, right. The beat is in, the pattern is in, in Priest the President. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The only thing that's not, that you don't, what make it not a priest of president is that, is that I don't go, stop, boom, boom, bop, boom, boom, stop. I don't do that. I just go, boom, boom, bop, boom, boom, yeah. And then we put the Tom Jones, bam, bam. Yes. We put is, that in yeah, there. Crucial element to it. Too, just right. made it like, you know, so, and that was our creative mind of creating our own distinctive sound, distinctive right. sound. That's what made us different. So I, I'd love to go show you this too before we close. This sure. is the the set list uh, from our show in 2008 at the Ninny Factory, wow. and, and I wanted to um, see how reflective that was of how the the, the old um, uh, Sesasonic Live show would be. I, I kept this from the show. It was taped on the ground or taped on the monitor or something like that. Oh, this is the original one. This is how the run of the night went when we played the show. So starting with... This was written out then? Yeah, this is probably... I don't know if this is your handwriting or someone in the... Yo, this is crazy. Yeah, this was the original from written from someone in the group in Sets of Sonic. I assumed it was written by you or by maybe No, Daddy this o. is Daddy O's handwriting, is it? Is it? Because it's a pretty precise yeah, you know, set da- list. I've seen yeah, many, many set Daddy- lists in my life. You need to put this in a... And uh, something I should I need to frame it. I've had it yeah, in a, yeah, in a little is, book this, for a long time. This is Daddy O's handwriting. Yeah, this is set up. Well, oh, okay. I'm sorry. What was the question you asked? Well, again? I just wanted to see. You know, because there's so because obviously you know it's introducing everyone has their own intro. Right, right. It's an ensemble group. 
you know, and then it goes into the set. I wanted to see, uh, you know, how um, reflective this was as to in the, uh, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s performances of Sets of Sonic. Would you run the show the same way? Like, no. can you kind of break it down, like, no. what well, you're looking well, at? Well, looking at this show, I remember when we did this show, we definitely wanted to, uh, again, like I said, when we do our shows, we try to change it so that people won't say, oh, I saw them do that show already. We That's, that's what makes... We want to make people to come see us at all times because we change the show up. The last show we just re- recently did, we did self-destruction. Dope. And the, cra- and the reason why we can do self-destruction is because everybody from Stetson Sonic is on the record. That's right, yeah. Everybody. So we can do it like it's, if it's our record. Right, that's You know, cool. where, 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 where Fru Kwan can do, where Heavy D, deep in the heart of the matter, he could do his part, and, and Daddy-O can do straight from the mouth for Wise and Daddy-O, they can do their part. Yes. And the Delight can do is pop, 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 one and stuff. Yes. So we, we do Amazing. it in the show. Right. Um, um, so dope. This set, and uh, it, it's, it's different now. So you want me to compare this set to our set in sure. the past? Yeah. Well, our set in the past was a lot more different. It was a different time. And back then, we used to love other people's records. Nice, yeah. And we would, because that's what we did in hip-hop. Right. If somebody yeah. had a crazy record... We were using it in our show. Right. And back in the days, we used to use Mantronic's record. Remember the group Mantronic? Of course. They had this record that Prince Paul used to scratch up all the time. And it was this beat. It was this... And we used to intro our show to it. It was crazy. So. But um, comparing to our shows in the past to this show, um, we've upgraded a little uh, since then. Because we were able to do more songs in these shows than our shows in the past, right? Because this was uh, that this particular set list that we're looking at. There, it was a pretty stacked bill, so there was a lot of other people performing right. on the show. Right. I mean, I even have the flyer. I mean, right. That song it was the headliner, but I mean, there was you know people on the stairs perform. Mike G and Sammy right. B from the Jungle Brothers, right. um, uh, Zimbabwe Legit play YZ, Just Ice was on the bill. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was yeah. We even did this fastest rapper contest with, yeah, with Dynasty, Dynasty and Ecstasy from Houdini. Yeah. yeah, classic show. Yeah, October twenty fifth, two thousand eight. Yeah. So, um, but so it's 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 we were able to stretch out more with this show than the right. show in the past. We kind of stuck with the, with the main hits in the past. We made sure we did Sally. We made sure we did Talking All That Jazz. Uh, we actually did DBC Let the Music Play. Yes. And I would show back in uh, in the days because it was uh, it was the B-side, the Sally. So and that was a that. huge record. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then close with Ghost Tetsa. Is, is that how you usually close your shows? No, no, then? no, no, no. Back in the days when we was out with Public Enemy and then we opened up the Ghost Tetsa. Dope. Yeah, we opened up because we would do the Mantronic beat and then guys would come out one by one then they would do a routine and then they would do a oh man how was our show back then we would do a routine and then they would say something dun 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 dun, dun break then we go on the then we go on to Ghost Etza. Um so yeah we would do Ghost Etza. we would do uh, we never we always did Sally last though because it was our biggest concert closer right right we would do DBC Let The Music Play we do talking all that jazz. We would do Africa. We always did Africa because yeah. it was a uh, we we were conscious for us back then. We always did, and that too was an extremely popular record, right? So. And then uh, we would do Faye, which from the On Fire album, which mm-hmm. gave Wise and Daddy O to do their thing for a moment, and then we would close with Sally. So compare this show to our show in the past. The only thing that we did different. Because this was a New York show, we closed with Ghost Stetson because we knew Brooklyn was going to be in the building. Yes. So that was the only difference that we did so. uh, with this show. And um, we we haven't done, 
we haven't done just a stat in a while. So you the show you you got you did with us. It was our first time doing just a stat. The only difference is we didn't do it to the just a stat beat. We did it to the um, to the uh, Little Wayne record. Oh, you really? Oh, okay. Yeah, we did it to the we did it to the Little Wayne record. So. Um, yeah! Wow! Well, it's amazing. That was an incredible show, and and um, yeah, I mean, Stessa Sonic, man, one of my most favorite groups since the first time I ever heard them. Yeah. Man, it's just always been a a pleasure to uh, well, we work it, with you on on joints well, too. Well, you know, we we'll appreciate the fact that you even reached out to us, man. And 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 again, like I said to you before, some promoters they a lot, well, a lot of promoters actually they do want us. The only problem is is that you and maybe a few other promoters were really into what we were and what we were doing as a band. And you didn't want right. to shrink that. So No, it has you know, to retain the original vision. It right. has to be the way that, that you guys need it to do. Exactly. Like, like you said, I could never envision a, a Stetsasonic live performance being this sort of what what's referred to as a track right, show exactly. where you're basically exactly. going off of a beat, off of an instrumental, off exactly. of a CD, or back in the day it would be a DAT It'd or whatever. Dat, right. 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 It has to have, you have to be, Bobby Simmons has to be on the drums. Mm-hmm. You know, DBC has to be there. I mean, it has mm-hmm. to be like... Uh, and Paul. Yeah. There has yeah. to be that core element at play. Yeah. And the vocalists. Yeah. You know, exactly. The ensemble of, of, of different voices, too. It has to all co-mingle. It's a band for yeah. a reason. Exactly. So, I mean, we appreciate it. We appreciate the fact that we, and you and I have been in contact off and on. We make sure that we stay in contact. Sure. And, and, and we appreciate it. We appreciate anybody that, that want to see us to continue to, you know, uh, go forth in what we're doing. And, and again, like I said, we, we pop up in spurts. And the thing that worked for us is we haven't, we haven't burned our bridges with the marketing, uh, the market audience. So right. an audience will be able to say, oh, I never got to catch them. So, you know, you can always count on us doing a show and people coming because they say, I never got to see them. Right, right. So we're, we're, we're lucky that we haven't burnt ourselves out. We're, we're one of those groups that you'll catch us. When you catch us, yeah, I mean it's definitely a special occasion. If people have a chance to see, then I would definitely recommend that. Right. And really quickly though, tell me what's the so you're back on. You have a show again. You're we hosting show, a show. So yeah, we got a show really coming quick? up on June seventeenth in Philadelphia. Right. And what's the uh, what's the video show that you're hosting too? Because you you seem like very active with that. Oh, well. I got yeah. I'm I'm, I'm doing a I'm back doing. It's not even a video show. It's more of a talk show where I actually I gather up not just music acts but actors actresses have them on my show. A lot of them again are my friends. Right. Have them come through, talk to them. You know, uh, kind of going in more on a talk talk show route. Cool. I really like what Jimmy Fallon is doing. I like the talk show route. I like the um, what's my man name on PBS. Um, Charlie Rose? No, Tavis Smiley. Yes, I love I Tavis like, Smiley. I like the Tavis Smiley route, yeah. and I, I'm kind of more going in that, 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 that direction. I'm cool. doing it with FRP, uh, Live.TV. Uh, everybody's getting in on the ground floor on creating apps right. and um, where people can uh, now go to their smart TV, and you can now go to an FRP TV app, and you can watch whatever programs that they produce on oh, their, their network. So that's... I figure, well, this is the way to get on the ground floor. I actually have a document, document, uh, docu series coming out uh, on Netflix. Um, I think it'll be out in May, May or June. Okay. Um, it's What's about, that about? Um, well, it's about um, rappers who collaborated on records and who did it best. Mm. And we talk about each rapper, like Craig Mack, Flavor in Your Ear, or Lead Us a New School Here. Um, um, scenario. Right. We talk about stuff like that. So um, it's a good, and, and I'm not the only one on it. It's a lot of other people on it. You got um, Rampage on it. You got um, Roxanne Chante on it. Everybody's just talking about what's their favorite oh, cool. collab record. It's a docu-series. Um, it's not just one episode. It's a 30-minute show. 
And each week we'll talk about a record, you know. Nice. What's it called? It's called DocuSeries uh, Who Did It Best. Nice, yeah. We'll so that, I'll, I'll let you know. That's going to, I think that comes out in May, end of May, and it's on Netflix. Cool. So uh, the TV thing is pretty cool. I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm getting myself more involved with it because I see what all these cats are doing with these apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have that. You have that persona, man. You have the voice. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the charisma, and it's been. You know, you can see with the old videos too. And now, because mm-hmm. I've been peeping the the new stuff too, the the more kind of talk show angle, that one on one interview style. Right, thing. right, 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 right. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you bring the guests' energy level up too, because right, you're, right. you know, got a lot of energy when you're doing it too, right, which right. like is infectious when you're watching it. You yeah, know, plus like, I'm a seller, man. I like to 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 to, right. to sell people's work, whether. I'm a fan of it or not. Uh, it's a, my way to bring old school cats on and say, hey, let people know who's new into this watching it. I'm getting to it. All. And even a new artist, like I had O Wave on my show. He did the Cardi B record about the girl mm-hmm. Cardi B chick. And I liked the record, you know. And, and, and I wanted to, you know. And he, he was another one who used to, he said, he, when he came on my show, he was like, I can't believe I'm being interviewed by Bobby because he was 12 years old wow. watching my show. Oh, wow. And for him to be on it now, me playing this video, he's like, oh, this is crazy. So it's kind of, wow. It's kind of cool, man, that I can now uh, connect with a new generation and, and still, you know, have the older generation still appreciate it and sh- share with the new generation. So I'm, cool. I'm happy with it, man. I'm real happy. I'm looking to do, hopefully do more big things again, getting in on the ground floor with this TV and app stuff. Yeah, so we'll sure. see what happens. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, my man. No doubt, really baby. Thank you yes. so much, man. Yes, yes. <laughs> my pleasure, man. Yes, yes. I want to thank my guests, Bobby Simmons, the one and only. Stetsasonic, the original hip hop band. Thank you, Bobby. Um, everyone that's listening to, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe on iTunes uh, and rate it if you can. Do what you can. Spread the word. Feel free to post it on your website. If you're on Twitter, I'm at, at @houselistpod. So you can retweet that. You can hit me up on Twitter. Um, repost it. I'm gonna post it if you feel like retweeting it or something. I genuinely appreciate it. Yeah, let's just get the word out. This is definitely like a DIY thing. Um, and I'm just trying to spread some cool conversations with folks. So if you're into it, yeah, send it to a friend or, or what have you, you know, um, I'm so glad I could do this conversation with Bobby again. If you feel so inclined, definitely check out his show. He, he's doing a lot. He's producing a lot. It's on FRP TV. That's FRP live TV, the Bobby Simmons show. Definitely check it out. Um, what else? What else? Well, uh, I, I mean, I could go on and on about Sesasonic, their influence on hip hop, and more importantly, just their how much I love them as a group. Um, and of course, you know, Prince Paul's outputs. You know, my, I released an album from Prince, Prince Paul. We did that in 2005 called It's True Mental. But even, of course, Gravediggers, too, I love, and Daddy O's uh, solo debut, I thought was incredible. I love that, too. I, I've just been like pretty much like a fan of everything these guys have done. Uh, and the chemistry as a group, as an ensemble on those three albums, each and every one I really like. And I like for, you know, they, they all have sort of different coming from different angles slightly. But there's so many songs. I mean, the album cuts uh, and the singles, they're all so incredible. So I'm going to end the show with, of course, one of their most famous songs. Now, uh, you know, people might associate that with Talking All That Jazz, which is an incredible song. I mean, the message and everything and that story about with M. Tumay and everything, it, it that was so crucial at the time it came out. But I have to end the show with Ghost Stetsa. Um, being in Brooklyn 
and uh, this song has come up over the years and how notorious it was, infamous it was uh, when it was heard in clubs in New York City. But you take Ghostetsa or really any of these those songs, especially from the first two albums, and put them up pound for pound with, with the uh, classics, if you will, of that era, the timeless hip-hop um, gems and treasures. I'm talking about like My Adidas, Rock the Bells, Criminal Minded, uh, you know, Stet is right in there, Ego Trippin', LaToya, Bring the Noise. I mean, I could go on and on. I'm talking about 86, 87, and on, you know, that mid to late 80s era of, of, of particularly like a New York hip hop too. And Stetson Sonic played such an incredible role in that. So uh, if you've never, if you haven't had a chance to really uh, check out those albums or if this might um, remind you to, then by all means, if you're a fan like me, it, it was, it's always a treat to go back to those. And pl- I love playing those out. They just hit so hard. The drums are incredible. The combination of Prince Paul and uh, Bobby uh, on per- percussion, too, with a mix of those samples. It's like, I just love that chemistry. Um, and uh, all the MCs in it, too. Uh, yeah, I could go on and on. I'm just a fan. I'm ahead. Uh, and that is for sure. Plus, Bobby's stories about Biggie and Prince and just the group. Uh, we, I could have asked him a million other questions, and, but I'm so glad to have what I what I did with him. So, and I hope you guys appreciate it too. So, thank you. Uh, this edit, uh, this episode rather, is edited. I probably could have used him to edit that out, but I'm going to leave it in. Is edited and engineered by my man C.J. Stewart, as is every episode. Um, again, uh, subscribe on iTunes. If you listen to podcasts on the Stitcher app, thank you. You can check us out there. If you prefer to listen to it online on a website, check us out at soundcloud.com backslash the houseless podcast. Yeah, you can subscribe there as well. So, uh, yeah, just listen and, and get the word out, like I said before. Uh, but with no further ado, I'm going to end the show with this joint right here. Classic, infamous song, hard hitting this perfect hip-hop music right here all right y'all thank you so much and i'll see you guys next time peace y'all
letter with a hip-hop band Up America, London, and even Japan And you surely will admit by being a fan Nobody else does it like we can The battle us is truly a gamble Our excellence is proven by example The ladies smile while the body's on shampoo Back off, poop up, this you can't handle The rhythm home for you's definitely ringing The beats and rhymes are the chords that are tingling So grab your girl, let's start the jam For at the helm is a Keeping you at 